much as I would love to flood every single theater and give everyone a mask and snorkel, that wasn't allowed. So instead, what I'm going to do is be bringing along life-sized replicas of some of the largest animals ever known to have lived on our planet. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fun Kids Meets. This is the podcast where we bring you the widest variety of excellent and interesting people. Anyone from authors, actors, directors, YouTubers. How would you describe Steve Backshaw, Dan? <laughs> I think you got it in one. When you were running through those different he's, types he's all of, of those people. Things. There, yeah, he's all of them. He's an explorer. He's a, a naturalist. He's a TV presenter. You might know him from deadly 60 he's been up mountains he's traveled all around the world he's been to jungles he's been to deserts and he's got a a new show out where he's going under the ocean it's called steve backshaw's ocean so we were talking all about that and about really how you become an adventurer because uh, i mean we've got pretty good jobs but imagine having that job imagine making tv shows seeing the lions and you know bullet ants in the wild these incredible creatures diving with great white sharks and with orcas and it just blows your mind what an incredible uh job he's got to travel around the world and have fun so is he talking specifically bit underwater adventuring or is this like a crash course in just all sorts of adventuring we talk about the whole thing So a lot of it is underwater because of this show Ocean. We we do learn about some of the deadlier beasts that he's found under there, some of the strangest creatures he's come face to face with. But also we talk about general adventuring and what you need if you want to be an explorer. If you're listening to Steve and you think, I'd love to do that one day. I'd love to go around the world and to make TV shows. He kind of gives us some help to the best way to make that happen, what we need to do now so we can be an explorer in a few years' time. Because that's what I'm excited about hearing when, whenever whenever Steve chats to us on Fun Kids. Because I know that like the, the, the dangerous animals seem cool, and I know there's loads of people who love the dangerous animals, but I'm more of the... I like the weirder animals, the kind mm. of strange, kooky-looking animals. What are you? Are you more of, a, more of a danger animal or more of a weird animal kind of guy? I'm a... Well, I'm, I'm mainly weird, but if there is weird, if, if there is if there is a weird, dangerous animal, then more oh, the better. I, I was talking, sorry to talk about another one of our podcasts. I was doing the Science Weekly the other day and we were learning about a bug who feasts on termites and to knock the termites out, it uh, does toxic farts. So, you know, I like weird and danger at the same time. I'll take it all. I mean, if, if we're talking about that sort of content, if that's what's happening, you can talk about the Fun Kids Science Weekly as much as you want on this podcast. We're all if about you that. Want, if you want your farting dangerous creatures, Fun Kids Science Weekly is where you need to go. Sorry, Fun Kids Meets. Were there any behind the scenes uh, things from the interview uh, that you want to share with us? Right. This was on Zoom. So what did I see in Steve Backshaw's house? That's what we want to know. What was what was mm. what was the house like? That's the gossip we want. Where is he? Where is he recording this Zoom thing? So what? As you would expect, uh, an explorer, an adventurer, because whenever I've met them before, they're always very organised when it comes to adventuring, but kind of everything else, they're a bit ramshackle. And he, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't look like he had a, a, like a really good rig or setup that you might imagine from someone two years into different lockdowns and now doing Zooms. He was kind of bending down over his sofa, leaning over it with a load of books stacked all around him. It was, it, it was as low fi as I think you can imagine. 
I can imagine that Steve Backshall sees things like this as a challenge. Like he purposely doesn't have like the pro set up because he likes to go into adventurer mode and be like, right, I've got two minutes of this interview starts. How am I going to make this work? And then starts fashioning things out of materials, just using his adventurer mind, getting in the zone. And perhaps, and sometimes when famous people have got something to really talk about, like they're doing a show or they've got a book out, they might need to do a few interviews. So maybe Steve was doing that and just trying to, give himself a different task in every one just to give himself something to explore for each interview i don't know a different setup each time that's it that is it uh so let's have a little chat and hear about uh steve backshaw's new show as dan chats to animal legend steve backshaw it is one of the biggest guests we've ever had. One of the world's greatest adventurers. Steve Backshaw has explored jungles all around the world. He's travelled the globe many times, come face to face with some of the most deadly creatures in his show, Deadly 60. And he's off on tour all around the UK. It's called Steve Backshaw's Ocean. Steve, thank you for being there. Hello, Dan. Really nice to speak to you. Now, why focus an entire live show on the ocean normally you're on telly why are you bringing it to theatres that's that's a really good question so i've done tours in the past that i've themed around specific journeys i've done them around particular expeditions um i've done them around the wildlife of australia the wildlife of the arctic and the antarctic but this time round, i wanted to focus on the ocean for for a variety of different reasons first of all because i think the creatures that live in the ocean we may think we know them but we very rarely do anything like as much as we may like to think, you know, even simply the uh, the fish that live in our seas around the UK that we may consider to be common. Certainly the sharks that we have in our seas, it's entirely likely that no one's ever seen them breed. No one's ever seen them mate or give birth to their young. It's something as simple as that, which is, you know, the most basic part of life histories could well be completely unknown to us. You know, our own basking shark, People used to think that they hibernated in the winter. Nobody knows where they go. No one, no one's seen them mate. No one's seen them give birth to their young. And I find that really exciting. We have at least 20,000 different species of fish in our, in our seas, and yet new ones are being discovered all the time. You know, it's often said it's a cliche that we know more about the surface of the moon than we know about our deep seas, but it's not even close. We know far more about the surface of the moon than we do our, our deep oceans. And so I, I thought that this would be a, a good theme. Obviously, bringing the seas to the stage is a significant challenge. <laughs> this is what I was thinking, talking about the surface of the moon and what we know about the ocean. There's some ridiculous fact that we know almost five percent of what's in our seas how are we exploring that on stage with you is it about what we know or is it trying to figure out maybe the creatures that we don't have any idea about just yet it's a bit of all of those things so i very much focused on on the animals first because i know that you know first and foremost i think it's a stage show so people need to be entertained i don't want to be hammering home you know loads of stuff about food webs and ecosystems and not too much stuff about conservation and doom and gloom i, I want people to be excited and entertained by by getting a, a more intimate glance at some of the ocean's giants and some of the ocean's teeny tiny little things so it's going to be very much focused around around species, around particular iconic species, a few that people will possibly, hopefully never have heard of. And I'm going to try and bring them to life, much as I would love to flood every single theatre and give everyone a mask and snorkel. 
that wasn't allowed. So instead, what I'm going to do is be bringing along life-size replicas of some of the largest animals ever known to have lived on our planet. There will be live science experiments on stage with a very, very high chance, if not a probability of those going wrong, leaving me with egg on my face. There will be outtakes and bloopers and questions and interactivity. There's going to be a giant screen with natural history footage. I seriously think that no one is going to leave the theatre, including me, that hasn't learned something and at the same time, hopefully been, been entertained. Let me take you right back to the start, if that's all right, Steve, because you, you go to school, you finish your studies. I think you have a degree in English. Is, is that right? English, maybe with theatre. Why knock that all on the head? Why leave it all and become an explorer and actually make it work? Why do you make that choice? It's a, it, this is a super question. It's a really good question. It's probably more of a question why I ended up doing English the first time <laughs> round. And it was just simply that that was that was kind of what I was good at. I, I am not a natural scientist. I struggled with maths at school. I still struggle with statistics. I found science really hard and I found English and humanities really easy. And I just took the easy route. And it wasn't until after them when I left and I kind of went, but actually the thing I love most in the world is animals. So I should have learned about animals. I should have studied biology and I had to go back and do my A-levels again and do my whole university again and then do my master's. And, you know, and now I'm an honorary lecturer in, in marine biology. I still wouldn't classify myself as being a scientist because I still find it really, really difficult. And, you know, it's taken the best part of 20 years for me to get to this stage where I actually have all the right letters after my name. And, you know, I, I honestly... <laughs> I'm that guy. And there's probably a little bit of imposter syndrome even now because I know how difficult I find it. Let's just uh, take you back to some of the creatures and some of the expeditions you've done in your years of exploring. Uh, You've come face to face with so many different creatures, especially in the programme Deadly 60. What was the one animal you were most terrified by when you thought this might have been a bad choice? So very much the ethos of Deadly has always been so much so that we put it in the title of every single program that this is about animals that are deadly in their own world. So deadly to their prey, not dangerous to us. And that's that's critical because the last thing I want to do is is ever be you know, demonizing any animals. That That's the antithesis of, of what we're about. And that's allowed us to feature everything from blue whales and basking sharks to to dragonflies and kestrels. And I think that how they interact with their prey is is what's really fascinating. And actually, despite the fact that I've been doing Deadly since 2007, I've had a couple of scratches, but nothing serious. And I think that that more than anything kind of is testament to the fact that animals would in almost every single situation rather move away from you than, than go for you. I can count on one hand the amount of times that I've felt genuinely threatened by animals. And, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years now. Just give us some of those animals that you felt a little bit threatened by. So um, hippos are, are the one that most people, particularly in Africa, will, um, will kind of always have a little bit of a shudder when they hear about it. And, you know, that's because they're, they're big, they're fast, they're grumpy, they're territorial, uh, and they're more than anything unpredictable. Um, and there's been, there's been a few moments where we've kind of like, you know, bitten our fingernails down to the quick with hippos. 
but but at the same time, you know, in the exact same place where we've been filming those hippos, I swam on the bottom of the Okavango Delta alongside four meter long Nile crocodiles without anyone ever getting touched or hurt. So, you know, you, you can see that actually the, 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 the danger, the threat, the fear of animals is, is always, it's what everyone focuses on, but I think it's, I think that's wrong. It's, you know, wild animals are just not interested enough us. And if they are, it's because we pose a threat to them. Well, how about this? It's a question from Caleb, who listens to the show, who wants to know, what's the deadliest ocean animal you've ever come into contact with? So I have placed at the very top of my, I took the unprecedented step on the last series of deadly, of declaring my most deadly animal in the world. And it's the orca. And I think that an animal that can coordinate its actions with all of the other members of its, wow. of its pod or its tribe, that has different languages, different methods of, of communication that can sweep seals off ice flows down in Antarctica or beach itself on the sands of Patagonia to pull fur seals into the water that can feed on herring by slapping them with its tail and incapacitating them that can leap clear out of the water to, to land on and, and drown a gray whale carp. They have such an array of different ways of hunting and they are probably other than us, the only animal that will and does take on fully grown great white sharks. The orca, and even its name, both forms of its name. Oh, orca and the killer whale is something to be terrified by. Uh, listen, we're coming out of the back of a couple of years of different lockdowns, and maybe you haven't been able to explore the planet as much as you'd like. How good are you at being an adventurer in your own back garden? I, I saw pictures online from you the other day of you with your family scaling mountains. Do you still explore every day when you can? Yeah, I, I think that it's very important for us to realise that adventure always bring, begins at home and it always begins in your own backyard. There is not a single mountaineer whose first mountain was Everest. There is not a single adventurer who first went source to sea down the Amazon before you know having a little paddle on the Thames first. We learn our skills right in our own place, at home, in our own back garden. And that's much more prescient to me right now because I'm a dad to twins at two and Logan at three. And therefore we're thinking every day of how we introduce them to the wild world, how we get them interested in nature. And that's the key to us. It's those first steps, those, those kind of early experiences that are going to be formative and hopefully drive them towards something like we do for a living. But even if they don't, you know, just the fact that they will have had those experiences with nature, I think will be really positive and, and help them to be able to become, you know, fully formed little humans. Well, talking about those key skills, I, I guess, lastly, for someone listening who perhaps really wants to follow in your footsteps, wants to travel the world, wants to come face to face with these animals. What are the key skills that someone maybe needs to learn or needs to grow to, to give themselves the best chance of, of dealing with being an explorer. Don't be afraid of failing. Failing is not only a part of life, but it's the most important part of development. Seeing your failures, recognizing them and learning from them is how great people get to be great. Never look back at your failures and be paralyzed by them. Don't get too tangled up in, in regret, 
In fact, embrace your failures. Recognize them as things that are going to make you a better person and use them as a, a means towards whatever it is that your goal is going to be in life. Amazing. Well, listen, the, the tour, Steve Backshaw's Ocean, it's going all around the UK. Good luck with it. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Steve. You are so, so welcome. Lovely to speak to you, Dan. Excellent Steve Backshaw there. And I'll tell you what, this show is sounding pretty exciting. Yeah, and it's touring all around the country. Uh, so he's going to London. He's going to the South End over in Essex. He's going up to Yorkshire. He's going all over the place, bringing you the ocean. And the amazing thing must be how it looks on the stage. Because mm. there's one thing talking about sharks and whales and some of these odd beasts that we don't even know exist yet. But seeing it on stage with, with all the different technology that he will have, I, you know, it's going to be utterly jaw-dropping. Um, you mentioned the Fun Kids Science Weekly. Is there, what's, what's coming up on the Fun Kids Science Weekly so we can get excited about that too? Loads on the way with the Science Weekly. Now, I take your questions every week if there's something sciencey rattling around your brain. Now, forever, we've done that by using reviews over on the Apple Podcast Store, but there might be a new way that we're doing that soon where you can be the star of the show. So I'm very excited for that. Uh, I can't really say much more because we need to get everything in order. Ooh. And there's so many incredible experts on the way. Who have we got? Oh, someone who wants to get you outside looking at the sky and spotting the best birds that are all around and how you can do that, even if you don't really live in the countryside. Very excited to share that with you. So there you go. If you're listening, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you've seen Steve Backshaw, there's a big chance that you are going to be a big fan of the Fun Kids Science Weekly and the things that they talk about. And that is a new opportunity for you to be the star of the show. Go and check that podcast out too, please. Uh, cheers, Dan, for chatting to us. Thanks, Sean. And we will be back next week with more excellent and interesting people. And uh, make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss a single one. See you later. Bye. 'm James Stewart and in saving planet Earth I'm going to be joined by some of the world's top scientists to introduce you to some of the weird and wonderful ideas being trialed to try and save our planet led of course by your questions Hi James I know that climate change is affecting our oceans is there anything that's being done to look after it and one of the solutions involves dolphin poo <laughs> this is saving planet Earth available wherever you get your podcasts